0: Would you uh, take your Bible? I want you to open to the book of Joel. This is our third week in, uh, in the book of Joel. If you uh, take your Bible, open to Joel chapter 3. In fact, would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's word in this house. Joel chapter 3. And uh, you just open there. I'm gonna, I'm going to read some selected verses. And... So you just pay attention. I'll tell you where we're going with these things, okay? Joel chapter 3, let's begin at verse 1 here. For behold, in those days, at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah in Jerusalem, I will also gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people jump down to verse 14 i'm going to cover the whole chapter but i just for the sake of time we're we'll only read a, a few verses here verse 14 multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the lord everyone say the day of the lord, day of the lord. so the theme of this entire book Uh, The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon will grow dark. The stars will diminish their brightness. Verse 16, the Lord will roar from Zion. And utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. The Lord will be a shelter for his people. The strength and strength of the children of Israel, so you will know that I am the Lord your I the Lord your God am dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy. No aliens will pass through her again. It will come to pass in that day. The mountains will drip with new wine, the hills will flow with Milk. The brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord. The wa- and water. The valley of Acacias. Egypt will be desolate. Edom, a desolate wind, a wilderness, because of violence against the people of Judah. They have shed innocent blood in their land. Judah will abide forever. Jerusalem, from generation to generation, I will acquit them from the guilt of bloodshed. Whom I have not acquitted, for the Lord dwells in. Zion. Well, let's pray. You may not make sense of a lot of that, but you're going to understand it before the day's done, I promise, okay? So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Mighty God, we just thank you for your presence in this place. Uh, What a wonderful time we've already enjoyed in worship and in prayer and in ministry and fellowship with one another. But I ask you now to speak to us through your word. I ask you to Open our hearts to what it is that your Spirit is speaking. Come on, I want you to, I want you to pray this with, with me. Pray, dear Jesus. Okay, everybody, write out loud. Pray, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus speak to my heart. To my heart. Change, my Change my life. In your precious name. In, precious In, Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you be be seated? I love this. Now, some of you are are just jumping in the third part of this series. You can go back. We've got a podcast. We've got YouTube. You can go and listen to the messages from the last couple weeks. But um, I'm going to do some review here really quickly. The day of the Lord. Everyone say, the day of the Lord. That's the theme of this entire book. And you'll see it used all throughout the Bible. But what's interesting is Joel uses this phrase, the day of the Lord, to describe two kinds of scenarios. On the one hand, he uses the day of the Lord, and you'll see terms of judgment. He talks about earthquakes and violent weather, darkness, economic upheaval, even um, destruction. All of this as the day of the Lord. However, beginning in chapter 2 and moving into chapter 3, you will also see the day of the Lord also describes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit growth in prophecy and dreams and vision and restoration of the nation and hope. And uh, even last week, we talked about how God wants to restore the years that the enemy has taken from us. And so here's what I've discovered about the Lord. In fact, I, I noticed the theme as I was reading in, in the New Testament this, this last week. I was reading the parables of Jesus. And one thing that I noticed so often is there is, for example... A parable about ten virgins and many of you know that story but kind of the the emphasis of that parable is that there were ten who were set apart as the bride of the bridegroom right it's a picture of believers in our awaiting uh, Jesus to return right and so the problem is that five of these were prepared they were ready for when the bridegroom returns But five of them were not. In fact, the the Bible says that the bridegroom returned unexpectedly. He was delayed. Well, he must not be coming. So so they just kind of went about their business. They were sleeping. They let their oil run out and on and on. And he came back when they did not expect him. So another thing that happens is very similar is uh, there was uh, the parable of the talents. You had... Two who were very faithful with what the Lord had given. You had one lazy servant. And again, the master returned when he did not expect it. Uh, we see this as well in Matthew 24. Jesus is describing what it's going to be like when he comes back to bring the church, uh, what we call the rapture. Uh, it, he describes it in that time there will be many who are not ready for his return. And this is what I've discovered. I don't know if any of you, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, if you've ever noticed this, but I have noticed there are seasons where it seems like, and understand what I'm saying when I say this, it seems like God is not overly active in my life. It's like I'm I'm going about my business, I'm loving the Lord, I'm seeking him, I'm worshiping him, I'm praying, I'm in my word, I'm going after him, I'm giving, I'm 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 being obedient. I'm I'm doing my best to walk right with him. You know, I'm 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 just I'm walking the walk. But then there seems to be seasons. Sometimes it's a matter of a week or even just a day or two, where it's like God floods into my life suddenly. He shows up, and it's like things that I've been praying for for a year, two, three years, all of a sudden, in an instant, God just begins to do something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that? It's like, okay, God, where have you been for the last six months? But all of a sudden, he shows In fact, my wife and I have experienced it just this last week, and I told her, I'm like, Leah, have you ever noticed how we can go months and months and months, and it seems like, where's the answer to prayer? Where is the response? But then there's these moments, and I'm telling you, this last week was like this, where we're getting answers to prayer. The Lord is speaking in dreams. We're getting supernatural provision. It's like everything is coming in from all these different directions. This is what I think happens. There's these moments where we're investing in the place of prayer, where we're showing ourselves faithful. We're going after, And there's these moments where God shows up, and it's like he's checking on things. And if you are found faithful in those moments of visitation, he's going to bless you. He's going to open doors. He's going to pour out in your life. Yet, if you are found unfaithful, there's also going to be these moments where let's bring some correction to this situation. And my, my thing is, I'm, I'm looking at this. There are these days of the Lord. Uh, I, I've heard some people call them the suddenlies of the Lord, where God shows up. And what's interesting with Joel, I mean, we've, we've become real familiar with this, even just running a mall now. We've become concerned about, okay, when was the last time our, this kitchen got a health inspection? Because how many know, like, uh, what do they call it, a health inspector, right? That guy shows up, and he doesn't let you know that he's coming. He just shows up, and it's either going to be a day where you pass the test, congratulations, here's your green poster, you can put it up in the window and everybody can know they can eat safe, or you get a warning, or worst of all, you get a red paper, which means you got to shut down. I feel like it's the way the Lord is at times, where he will come and he will visit our lives. Joel is experiencing one of these moments, In the first chapter, and this is what's very interesting, in Joel chapter 1, they have the day of the Lord. But when the day of the Lord comes the first time, the nation is not right with God. They're not living right, not even close. And so there begins to be judgment poured out. And what I find very interesting is it hits three areas in the nation. First of all, all of their luxuries were wiped out. No more wine tasting. No more enjoy. I mean, that's what it talks about, how the wine uh, was taken from, from everybody. Everything they enjoyed as luxuries was taken away. The second thing that was affected is they were not able to go into the house of worship to bring an offering any longer. Their worship was affected. And then the third thing we talked about was how, um, how their life essentials were affected. Everything, their basic necessities, their farmland, uh, uh, what they needed to eat and and drink and survive, that was being threatened as well. And if you look, I think that we're not in a, a very dissimilar situation even right now. You look at what COVID has done, and it has affected our luxuries. You notice the very first things that shut down were movie theaters you notice restaurants were shut down. You notice sports uh, ended. Now, some of these things are opening again. In fact, I'm, I'm actually overjoyed when I've been seeing people hanging out on, uh, in town again and all that because, you know, luxurious Hawaii has opened again. And I'm thankful for that. But we watched how this thing was struck. The second area, we're still watching pastors go into legal battles trying to fight for worship to continue in our nation. We're watching some nations have not been able to open even yet. And we're watching even today how certain houses of worship are not going to reopen because of how they've been hit by this pandemic. Of course, we know unemployment life essentials are being threatened as well. Life essentials, people are losing their jobs. People are committing suicide. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's tragic what we're watching happen. The very same three areas that Joel was judged in, Israel was judged in Joel's day, you'll notice are the same three areas that have been affected in our life. And you say, Pastor, you're coming on pretty heavy. This is all gloom and doom. It's not because chapter 2 takes a really awesome turn. And this is where we see uh, they repented. They fasted, they called out to God, and then in Acts chapter 2, he actually quotes Joel chapter 2, and we see this promise of tremendous revival. Everybody say revival. That's what chapter 2 is all about. And we talked about it last week how I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams on my servants, on my maidservants. I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. That ought to be a good life verse for you. But I'm going to wreck some of your theology today. Can I do that for you? Do you even know what I mean by that? Okay, I'll show you. There have been spikes throughout history. I shared last week about how in Acts 2, there was the outpouring of the Spirit. Virtually every Spirit-filled denomination and body has come from what happened in Acts chapter 2 right there. And there have been spikes throughout history. If I say words like, Uh, uh, the Welsh Revival or if I talk about even Hawaii's Great Awakening or Brownsville or Toronto or uh, William Seymour, Azusa Street, you know, there's certain words that you know, oh, that was a moment of visitation. That was a moment where God began to pour out his spirit in an unusual way. What excites me is we've seen these outpourings all throughout history. And Joel uses this term, former rain and latter rain. That's what he's going to pour out in that day. But today I'm going to give you a theology for why we can believe that the greatest outpouring of revival is ahead of us, not behind us. Have you ever looked and you've wondered like, boy, I really wish that God would do what he did in Acts chapter 2 today. There is reason for us to believe that the greatest outpouring of the Spirit has not even happened yet. It is getting ready to happen. And I'm going to show you that. But here, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you a couple words here. I want to make sure we all understand this, okay? Is anybody taking notes? Okay, this is what I want you to write down if you are. I'm going to teach you some theology words. First of all, write down this word, rapture. Does everybody know what the rapture is? The rapture, yeah, I know, you don't know if you're supposed to talk back to me. That's fine. First Thessalonians 4 gives us a very vivid description of the rapture. It, and I'll summarize it for you. If you are alive, when the rapture takes place in a moment, the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye. Now, let me, let me just correct, uh, correct something that, that a lot of people have wrong. Many people believe that you will disappear in the twinkling of an eye, right? It's like what we see in Left Behind. Uh, you're going to hear the trumpet, and all of a sudden, there's a pile of clothes there, and oh, where did Billy go? He's been raptured. That's not the way it's going to happen. In fact, you read uh, Thessalo- uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, you'll notice that it says we are transformed in the twinkling of an eye. So you know what, you know what that's actually going to happen? Eugene is getting ready to be raptured. Eugene's not just going to puff into a pile of clothes and where did Eugene go? No, what actually is going to happen is Eugene's going to, Eugene, you're glowing. Eugene, you've been, I don't know, whatever. You're, you're going to watch it. This will be trippy, man. You're going to watch old people all of a sudden look like they're in the prime of their life. You're going to watch people that lost their leg in war and their leg is going to be back when they have been glorified. That transformation is going to happen instantly in the twinkling of an eye and the Bible says that we who are alive will be caught up together. that's where we get the word rapture. We will be caught up and we will meet Jesus in the sky. Angels going to come down, pluck you up, take you, you're going to meet Jesus. Hallelujah, we're going to the marriage supper. Those who are dead, we know, That their spirit has already gone to be in the presence of God. But what will happen in that moment is as Jesus is coming across the sky, we will watch the dead in Christ be raised. Their glorified body will be popping out of the grave and their spirit will be reunited with their now new resurrected body. And so we're not going to go before everybody else into that marriage supper. No, we're all going to go together. Okay? So you got it that's the rapture. Uh, We were joking about today about how, how many of you, if you've ever grown up in a, in a church that preached about the rapture, we've all had that scary moment. where, like, maybe you come home from school and nobody's home and somebody's supposed to be home. And you think the rapture happened and I've missed it. Has anybody ever had that, that concern? Okay. Uh, I think we all have. In fact, my, my mom used to Play this joke. My brother had this habit. He, he'd he wait until dinner to go use the restroom. And that irritated my mom. Go before dinner. Go after dinner. But no, he always had to wait until. So she got so fed up with this thing one time that she decided, okay, there he goes. Uh, my brother, Matt, he's still scarred to this day because of the stuff we did him. But she, he goes and uh, so my mom's like, okay, guys, let's go hide. And she wrote a note and left it on the table, you know, I came back for the rapture, but I couldn't find you, Matt, signed Jesus, and left the thing on the table, and we're all, like, hiding in the other room, and next thing you know, we hear him walk across, and then we hear him start sobbing and crying, and uh, (laughs) so anyway, uh, your kids aren't in here now. It's a good trick to play on them. Actually, maybe not. I don't know. But that's rapture. Everybody say rapture. Okay? Next thing I want you to understand, and I'm going somewhere with this. There's a reason that I'm I'm explaining these things to you. Next word I want you to understand is tribulation. Tribulation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. This is very important. And I know this is like kind of intensive teaching for a Sunday morning, but I think it's going to help us. Okay? Around the time of the return of Jesus Christ, there will be a period of seven years of dramatic change on the earth there's going to be a new world government there's going to be new world leaders the antichrist will be amongst those we'll see the restoration of the temple in jerusalem we'll also see the defiling of that temple there is so much that will happen in fact if you read the bible it'll talk about two time frames it'll talk about the tribulation which is that whole seven years how long is it okay i just want to make sure you guys are trekking with me i know I'm, i'm Getting deep, but you guys are smart, okay? Um, seven years. But there's a period of time called the Great Tribulation, and that's the last part of those those seven years is three and a half years. The first three and a half years are gonna actually be pretty peaceful. It's not going to be the slaughtering of Christians in this horrible time. In fact, the message that is going to be preached is a message of safety and peace and prosperity and unity amongst everybody, which is why many believers even are going to buy into this thing. But about halfway through, the Antichrist, who we won't know who he is until that moment, will Present himself to be worshipped in God's temple. It's going to be horrible. Jesus called it the abomination that causes desolation. Uh, I don't know why I share that. I need to not go too deep. That's the tribulation and the great tribulation. You got it? What is it? Tribulation and great tribulation. Okay. Next word that I want you to know is millennium. Everybody say millennium. How long is a millennium? Does anybody know? A thousand years. Now, why does this matter? After the tribulation, Revelation 20 and verse 4 says that we will rule and reign with Jesus on the earth for a thousand years. This is going to be awesome. Many people, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard this preached on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to preach it on a Sunday morning. There will be a period of time Jesus will return, Antichrist will be judged, Satan will be bound, it's going to be wonderful. We will rule and reign with Jesus on the earth for 1,000 years. Did you know that? That's going to be an awesome time frame. I mean, the world will be in this full redemption, I mean, it's going to be an amazing time. Jesus himself will rule the earth from Jerusalem, and we're going to be a part of it. You know, you may be appointed as a governor over a certain nation, or I I don't know exactly how that's going to work, but we will rule and reign with him. That's going to be an awesome time. Now, another word that I want you to understand, heaven. Did you know? Okay, so when you die, 2 Corinthians 5, you will either go into the presence of God, awaiting the resurrection, that rapture that I was talking about, or you will go out of the presence of God where, uh, you know, you'll go out of the presence of God into what we call hell, right? We will wait for the return of Jesus Christ. We will come, we will rule and reign with him. Now listen to me. This is again where people kind of miss it. We will not go to heaven for all eternity. Did you know that? Heaven, read, Revelation 21 and 22. Heaven will actually come to us. Heaven is actually going to come to earth where we will be for all eternity. Now, it's going to be a new heaven. It's going to be a new earth, but it's actually coming here. So There's not some... You know, spiritual state of being somewhere way out there. No, the Lord is literally going to cleanse the earth. The Bible says it will be a baptism of fire. There's going to be a cleansing of the earth. And then the new heaven will come to the new cleansed earth. This is where we're going to spend eternity with God. It's going to be awesome. Now, let me give you one more word, and I'm going to tell you why this matters, okay? you guys still with me? Okay. Next, I want you to write down this word, Armageddon. A-R-M-A-G-E-D-D-O-N. Armageddon. This is towards the end of the tribulation where all nations will gather to fight against Jesus in a battle called Armageddon. Everybody say Armageddon. Armageddon. Um, The Bible depicts, in fact, I love this. We will, by this time, I think we're actually gonna be a part of this battle. We're gonna be a part of the army of Jesus. Uh, you and I will have been glorified by this point in time. That means that we've got an immortal body, which is gonna be sweet. And you just imagine, you take your sword and, we, okay. Great, it's time for the showdown against the Antichrist. That's what's going to happen. All of the Antichrist armies are going to gather together. They're going to be there. We're going to have our swords. We're going to be on horses. Jesus himself is going to be at the front. He's going to be on a white horse. And this isn't like shepherd Jesus or baby Jesus. No, this is glorified Jesus. Fire in his eyes, sword in his hand, lightning white robes and hair. I mean, this is like epic Jesus. And he will be leading the charge on a horse. We will be following after him him. And can you imagine getting like, I'm getting amped up ready for war right now. And then Jesus will approach the enemy and the Bible records in three different places that his method of attack, pay attention, is this. The Bible says with a blast of his nostril, he will annihilate the Antichrist and his armies with a blast of his nostril. I can just imagine getting so excited. We're ready to go and Jesus... <sighs> I guess that's it. Well, Great, Jesus. You know, he's going to... I mean, whatever, you're going to be happy that we win the war, but uh, that is, by the way, how powerful Jesus is compared to all the powers of hell. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. In fact, you know why they call it Armageddon, right? Do you know this? Let me teach you. Because Armageddon, when, when everybody is gathered together and they see Jesus in this glorified army coming, what people will say is, Armageddon out of here. All right, that was dumb. I'm sorry. So, but you will never forget Armageddon now. I I promise you. So, in any event, why does all of this matter? I'm going to blow some of your minds here, okay? You've grown up in Pentecostal church. You've grown up hearing Acts chapter 2 and Joel chapter 2 preach. Now, I I want you to pay attention. I'm going to read to you Acts 2.17. You've probably got this about memorized. It will come to pass in the last day, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Let me ask you a question. Pause there. Have we seen the spirit of God poured out on all flesh yet? No, we have not. How many of you know? You got some coworkers that desperately need the Holy Ghost, right? You you got some kids, some of you praying, oh, my husband needs to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, we all have people around us that we know. They, They don't got the spirit of God. Not yet. But it says that there will be a day where it will be poured out on all flesh. Then it says this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. On my men servants, on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Yeah. Now watch. Watch. This is the same prophecy. It's out of Joel 2, but it's quoted in Acts 2. Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit has been poured out. Fire on their heads. The place they were assembled, shaken. I mean, wind of the Holy Ghost. The whole city gathered. 3,000 are saved. This is what he quotes on that day. He says this, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. Blood, fire, vapor of smoke, Sun turned to darkness, moon to blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Then it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now what in the world is all this blood and fire, vapor, smoke, sun, moon, what in the world is that talking about? Can I submit to you that the great revival Joel prophesied about, and even what Peter believed was happening in his day, that revival has not happened yet. The reason that I believe this is Jesus actually describes the tribulation. And I taught you what tribulation is. He describes the tribulation and his return in Matthew 24. And in verse 29, he shares about how the sun will be darkened, fire, vapor, smoke, blood, moon, all of the things that Joel said. He said that that will happen around the tribulation in his return. So what we we need to understand is what happened in the book of Acts. Pay attention to what I'm about to say what Peter and what those New Testament believers experienced in the book of Acts was only a shadow. It was only a hint of what God actually intends to do as he is preparing the world for his return. Some of you got it. Some of you didn't quite get it. How many of you look back on Acts chapter 2? What would it be like? If a wind swept in a 120, you look around, comma, you got fire on your head. I mean, you just look around and we got, I mean, there was a wild meeting. And it was so dramatic that the entire city gathered around. Could you imagine if 3,000 plus people gathered, just gathered all around this mall right here? And it's like, there's a lot of people outside. Okay, you guys just go ahead, pray in tongues, do what you want to do. That's fine. And then we... I step outside and I preach the gospel. And 3,000 people say, I want to receive what you're talking about. Great. Let's go down to the harbor. You're all getting baptized right now. I mean, this is is wild. Could you imagine? I mean, hopefully I'm painting enough of a picture. You see this and it's like, yeah, wow, that would be incredible. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. And it was enough that Peter said, I think this is what what, what Joel was prophesying about. Now, I agree with him. It was a a taste of it. But I believe what what Joel, he talks about this former rain. There's an initial rain. And what we are yet awaiting is this latter rain outpouring. There's going to be a moment where what Acts chapter 2 was is going to be a drizzle compared to what God desires to do in this last day. This is very important. You want to know why it's important for us to understand this? Because there are moments of visitation like I was talking about. And there are moments where I believe God, He knows. I don't know when exactly, but He knows. I'm getting ready to pour out unprecedented historic revival in a way the world has never seen before. And I believe he's going to go from house to house, from church to church, from body to body. And he's going to look, have this people prepared themselves for my arrival or have they not? And just as it was in the day of Joel, there will be those who he comes and he visits and he says, they're not ready. We need to bring some correction and there will be judgment that transpires. And there will be others that he comes to visit. And as he comes, he says, these people have gotten right with me. They've prepared their hearts. They're full of the Spirit. They're in expectancy of what I'm going to do. And those he will pour out his Spirit on in unprecedented measure. Can you guess which one I want to be, church? We're going to be a people that are ready for what the Lord is going to do in this. We're not going to miss the move of God As he comes and he visits us. Oh my goodness. Now let me tell you, how can we prepare ourselves? I'm going to stress out my wife when I say number one. But I I promise I'm going to end on time. Let me give you. There's three locations that are mentioned in the book of Joel chapter 3. And they're all very important for us to, to, how, how can we be sure that we're ready for this hour of visitation? Number one is the valley of decision. Everybody say the valley of decision. decision. In verse 14, this is Joel 3. He says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decisions. He says, I will gather all nations and bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat. That word Jehoshaphat means Yahweh judges. And this is that moment of visitation where the Lord comes and which side are you on? I've talked the last two weeks about the line in the sand that's been drawn. There's no partial Christianity. There's no I'm halfway in and halfway out. Well, I'm going to do Jesus on, on, on Sunday and Tuesday but the rest of the week I'm going to do it my way. No. There's a line in the sand and we're going to choose this day whom you will serve. You remember that? You remember that word? Whom? Who will you serve this day? You can remember that was a a challenge that uh, was asked of Joshua. Uh, Choose you this day whom you will serve. And most of us, we've quoted the verse, we've seen it. He says, as for me and my house, what does he say? We will serve the Lord. I believe the Lord is, is challenging each and every one of us. Now, I, I know that we're not literally coming into the valley of Armageddon. We're not literally moving into this place. But I'm telling you, the Lord... Is moving, And there's these hours of visitation. And there are some who are still in this valley of decision. Am I going to be all in for the Lord or am I not? And I would implore you with everything on the inside of me, get right with God. Don't set it off. Well, I'll do that later. I'm just doing me right now. Because there is a moment, and I know this is like a this is like a swear word in this present day. Judgment is coming. There are these moments, and, and understand, judgment, if, if the word judge or judgment offends you it's probably because you're on the wrong side of judgment. How many understand that if you are righteous, but you are standing before an accuser, and the judge says, you are innocent, judgment day is a great day. Yeah. That moment where we stand before God and He says, enter in my good and faithful servant. That's a judgment. And you're going to be happy when the judgment of the Lord is spoken. You did good, son. You did good, girl. Come on in. you can be happy for judgment. But if judgment, wow, I, I don't like that. You know, did you know that recently, in recent years, John 3.16 became not the most memorized verse in the Bible. It was for, for, for many, many years. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Did you know that today that is not the most memorized verse in Scripture? You, know you want to know what it is? Matthew 7, 1. Which you may not know the reference, but I bet you could all quote it. Judge not. Did you know that's the most quoted verse today? Judge not, lest ye be judged. And, and listen, you know, that, that passage isn't actually about not being judgmental. It's, it's really talking about not being a hypocrite. Don't hold people to a standard you're not going to walk through. Um, my... I want to help you guys. My wife and I, we've spent years in evangelism, and the thing that we've always enjoyed in, in the world of evangelism is going to the most rejected and outcast and broken of people. We'd go to the homeless. We'd go to the addicts. We'd go minister in teen challenge centers where you've got all these broken, addicted, alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, all of that. That's that's what we would go to. We'd go down to the gay district in Dallas, and we'd love on these guys and pray for them. Never go down with hate signs. Never go down, you know, you guys are going to burn in hell. Never do any of that kind of stuff. We would go. We would love. We would encourage. But in all of those settings, we'd always have people that would say, what do you think about my lifestyle?" How do you, and you know what they're looking, they're wanting me to judge them. What do you think about the way that I live? What do you think about the fact that I smoke weed every day? What do you think about the fact that I'm in a same sex relationship? What do you think about the fact that I'm, uh, I'm living homeless or, or whatever the situation may be? And at the end of the day, let me just help you. How many of you have ever been asked a question like that from somebody? Let me tell you how you should respond. I learned. To turn it right back on them. How do you think God feels about your life right now? How do you, I mean, what do you think? Because at the end of the day, I want you guys to understand. I can have my opinion about what God likes or doesn't like, what God approves of or doesn't approve of. But at the end of the day, you're not going to answer to me. And I can approve of your life no matter how great or how terrible it is. But at the end of the day, you're going to stand before God. And you will answer to him and his standard on that day. And you know what I found? When I turn it back on people, no matter what their lifestyle, no matter what their... Most people know without me telling them whether they're right or wrong in the eyes of God. Most people, they don't need, this is why I don't, this is why on our outreaches, we never went down with hate signs and all that. People, sinners know that they're sinners. They don't need me shouting at them and hollering at them, you know, you need to turn or burn. They know that. What they need to know is that there's a people who actually love them enough that, listen, listen, I was broken too. I was, I was wounded too. And I thank God today I look and man, there were people who walked with me, who were patient with me. When I showed up to church smelling like weed, I I showed up, I was broken. I'd been in and out of jail and there were still people who gave me a place. You know what? You can sit by me this Sunday. You can come into my home for my life group. There were people who made place. I want to be that to people, guys. People who get right with God. We have to give them the opportunity. The valley of decision. Some of you here today are in the valley of decision. And we need to make sure. I want to, uh, We're going to pray before we, before we end our time together. If you're still in this valley, which way am I going to walk? How am I going to live? Today is the day of salvation. Let's get right with the Lord. Now the second thing, and this is very exciting. The, these are three locations, but the second location is the holy mountain, Zion. The holy mountain. Zion, Z-I-O-N. Verse 17, Joel chapter 3 says, You will know I'm the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Now, if you do a study, it's, it's kind of fun. I don't have time to do it today. But all throughout Scripture, Zion is presented as God's kingdom. It's his dwelling place. It's, it's His people. And there will be a time where literally Zion is set up on a physical location on the earth in Jerusalem where the Lord will rule and reign from. But did you know, and this is what I want to challenge us with today, you do not have to wait to die and go to heaven. You do not have to wait until the Lord returns and sets up that earthly king. You don't have to wait for that To enjoy the benefits of being a part of His kingdom. The Bible says in Psalm 24, one of my favorite, verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted His soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. You can come into God's presence today. and all the benefits of heaven... Can be yours. I believe with all of my heart. This is, why I, this is why we pray for healing in this house. This is why we believe for freedom. Why? Because signs will follow them that believe. Please. I just think one of the most tragic things that could ever happen is you die. You get to heaven. Yeah, your body, your life, everything has been restored. And you realize that Jesus wanted to give it to you while you were here on the earth. And we just never accepted it. You love the Lord, you make it to heaven, awesome. But there's so much. Why are we going to walk around with pain in our body? Why are we going to walk around with pain in our heart? Why are we going to walk around bound in this life when the Lord wants us to be free? This is why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means that we should believe that heaven can come down right here in this place. That heaven will invade earth. Yes, there will be a time where that's literally going to happen and it's going to cover the planet. But I believe today, our job as ambassadors of Jesus Christ is to see his kingdom come. It's going to take place in little pockets, but it's going to happen in places like this right here. Well, you know what? Yeah, you may be under the dominion of the devil in a whole lot of places, but when you come into this place, it's like you step into an open heaven. Right here in this place, you can be healed. You can be restored. You can be touched by God. Here's the third thing and the last one is the river of blessing. The river of blessing. So powerful. You read in Joel 3 about how this river flows from the throne of God. Absolutely incredible. It goes down and it, uh, it actually provides healing to the land and restoration and all of this. I believe it's the same re, uh, 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 river that Ezekiel 47 talks about. A river that flows directly from the temple of God. The same uh, river that is described in Revelation 22. This river that flows down and on either side there are, uh, there's the tree of life. Now, what's awesome is it describes new wine, milk, milk healing. It even describes how the Dead Sea will be cleansed. And and this is really trippy. I mean, this is just a side point. You guys wonder, pastor, why you believe, uh, you know, why are we preaching about end times and all of this? Guys, there are certain signs that will absolutely blow your mind. For example, last year in 2019, did you know for the first time in nearly 3,000 years, they found a living fish in the Dead Sea? For the first time in 3,000, that's what was prophesied in Joel and Ezekiel, that there would be life. They've now discovered that there are underground uh, freshwater uh, fountains that are actually pouring in for the first time in 3,000 years. If you can't tell, I get excited about this stuff, man. You look, Matthew 24, the signs of the times. They are happening right before us. If you're living in this cloud and saying, you know what? They've always believed Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. It's not happening in our lifetime. Look at the signs. They are happening all around us. And if you think, boy, that end time stuff, that's all gloom and doom. No, it's not. Yeah, there's some gloom, but there's also glory. That's what I like to think about it. It's not gloom and doom. It's gloom and glory. Because Yes, there will be judgment, but there's also going to be this incredible revival that the world has never seen the likes of. And let me tell you the benefits of that of that river. I love I love Ezekiel. He invites uh, uh, He invites Ezekiel come get in the river. And many of you have heard the story. He gets in and is to his ankles and it's his knees, his waist, and to the point of no return. And that is what I believe the Lord is inviting each and every one of us. Again, you don't have to wait until that river begins to flow. We can get in the river right now. We can receive of the benefits. And the Bible talks about them. It talks about healing. It talks about eternal life. Even the leaves that provide healing for the nations. We can be an ambassador of healing for for nations and for people, for ethnic groups. Um, Breaking every curse Revelation talks about. It talks about identity, how his name will be inscribed upon. Have you ever lacked identity in your life? Who am I? Am I important? Do I even matter? Hop in the river. And God's going to begin to inscribe his name and his likeness on you. And all of a sudden, you're going to have confidence in who you are because you know who God created you to be. Very important. He says there's no darkness. And it keeps on going on and on and on. You know, one of of the neatest pictures, I think, as well. If you look and if there was ever a story in the Bible that was about judgment that came upon a nation, it'd be the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. But what's absolutely incredible, did you know that when this river flows, it will actually impact that area, and it will cleanse the waters all around. In fact, what's wild is you can go and search the Dead Sea, which they believe Sodom was right on the border of the Dead Sea, and there are literally pillars uh, pillars of salt that you can find, just like what happened with Lot's wife. Part of what happens in this last day is that river will begin to flow and the Bible says it will actually heal those waters. I believe that God even wants to visit things in our past. Things that are broken, things that you're ashamed of, things that nobody knows that that this has happened. The Lord begins to flow into those areas. He begins to cleanse it. He begins to heal. He begins to restore. He begins to make even those most shameful and embarrassing things. He begins to make them whole. So incredible. Well, I need to draw this to a close. Minister Ryland, would you come and join me on the piano, and we're gonna we're gonna close in a word of prayer. But I wanna I wanna share one story as we're as we're ending. I know this is a lot to process. Uh, I hope I didn't overwhelm you. But this last week, I was uh, uh, we found out that one of our one of my fathers in the faith, his name is John Haller. He, he was a dean of students while I was at Christ for the Nations. Uh, by the time my brother and some of my siblings had gone through there, he was the director of the entire school. Um, and he got appointed as the director of the school and got struck with cancer and a number of different issues. And uh, we found out two days ago, I think it was, that he went to be with the Lord. And so I've been watching everybody post these memorials about, about Dr. Haller, about the impact. And I, I mean, you guys, like, I still preach the way he taught me to preach. That's how much that guy impacted my life. And I was just looking through. I've actually got sermons saved on my, in my notes uh, that he preached. And I was looking through there, and, and I found a story he told about a river and he was talking about that river that flows from the throne of God one thing that you'll notice about it if we're going to move towards Jesus that actually means that we have to move upstream you ever notice that? we don't just get in and float down but he had this picture and I I want to share it with you as we close today he said you imagine if you're you're just cruising down the river the river of life riding on a log you got your buddies that are that are cruising down the river with you. And all of a sudden you look down and you see this man swimming up the river. Like, What in the world is that? That guy's actually swimming up the river. And as he comes up the river, you look closely and you realize that's Jesus. And Jesus, he looks at you. He's not tired. He's full of joy. And he says, hey, listen, come with me. We're going to Zion if you continue down the river, there's actually a waterfall, you're going to die. He's like, but I got a rope. It's tied to my ankle. Just go ahead and grab onto it and I'll, I'll pull you right upstream. Jesus, he goes on swimming and you see that rope being pulled behind him. You're like, I better get on that rope. So you do. You jump off the log and you grab a hold of the rope. You know, it's interesting that You could be going with the flow, but now all of a sudden these logs that are coming down, other people that are riding what used to be just a joyful ride down the river, now actually become obstacles. You get hit with a log, it'll wipe you out. But this plea comes into your heart because now you know. Guys, there's something deadly at the other end of this thing. You need to get on this rope. Come on. Let go, get off of your log and come grab this. Come grab this because there's life and there's healing and there's wholeness at the end of of this. Get on the rope. Come and and join with Jesus. I know it's a silly illustration and that's all it is. You can poke holes in the theology of what I've shared but I, I tell you the invitation is true. The invitation is true. There is destruction coming for all those who are not in Christ. But he has offered each and every one of us salvation to all who would simply receive it. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to, you don't have to labor for it. You know, we're going to live for him. But all we have to do is receive what he wants to do. If we do that... That authority from Zion, all the benefits from heaven, the blessings in the river that I've been describing, that all comes with it. You don't have to wait till you die one day. Oh, then I'll get it. No, today. Today. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to close in a word of prayer. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I know there are people within the sound of my voice. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here in this room. You say, Pastor, I'm I'm not on the rope. I'm not right with Jesus. I'm going my own direction. I'm doing my own thing. But I want to know before I leave here today that I'm saved. I want to know that my hope is in heaven and that I've escaped destruction." I want to know that I'm positioned to receive revival, to receive blessing, to receive favor, to receive healing and goodness. As the world will beat us up enough, I want to know that Jesus is with me. I want to know that he's in me, that he's leading me. His Holy Spirit is on and around me. You don't have to fight. You don't have to beg. Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord we believe in our heart he was raised from the dead we will be saved Peter said if you repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ you will be saved I want to give us that opportunity today with every head bowed everyone pray you say pastor I've got things in my life that grieve the heart of God I need to get right with him today I want to know exactly who I'm praying for I'm not asking if you've ever been saved, if you're I just forget about that verbiage for a moment. You say, here today, I need to get right with God. No matter where you are, no matter what your history is, if you're here, you say, I need to get right with Jesus. I've got things in my life that grieve Him, and I want it gone today. If that be you, nobody's looking around, just between me, you, and the Lord. Would you lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see you, 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 I see you. Even outside, yeah, I see you guys. Yeah, God bless you, I see you, I see you. Come on, is there anybody else? You say, I I need forgiveness. I need to know that I'm right with the Lord. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. There's so many. Listen, if you're watching online, you can send us a message. You let us know, hey, I'm praying with you. Please include me in your prayer. This is a moment where we're just acknowledging, yes, Lord, I need you. I've got things in my life and I want it to go. Oh, I feel his presence here. That's his grace. It's his goodness. You know what I find so amazing? Come on, look this way for a moment. You know what I find so amazing? I've given more altar calls than I even know. And when it comes to this time where people say, you know what, I want to get right with God, I've never given an altar call and felt God's hammer of judgments getting ready to come down on you. When people determine I want to get right with Him, you know what? Instantly I feel the goodness of the grace and the forgiveness of God just being released. Some of you might be afraid to acknowledge, hey, I'm away from him. Hey, I've got some things in my life I need to deal with. Don't be afraid. We read last week how God is patient and merciful. He's slow to anger; He's of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. He wants to leave a blessing in your life, not a curse. We have a good God come on would you just close your eyes lift your hands and let's ask the Lord would you just pray this prayer with me right out loud pray dear Jesus I ask you Lord to forgive me I have sinned wash me Jesus cleanse me and make me brand new wash me in your blood take away every sin every failure every moment that has grieved your heart I thank you you call me righteous and I receive your forgiveness your goodness your grace your healing your wholeness I want it all Lord I believe you died for me you rose from the dead you're coming back soon and I'm gonna be ready Prepare me for what you want to do in my life, in my church, in this nation. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being gracious with me. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. I will live for you In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, let me speak a blessing over you, and I'll I'll let you guys get out of here. again. Are your arms tired? Could you just just lift your hands again? Let me speak a blessing over you. Today I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously, just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children, In the admonition of the Lord. May they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey His word and seek Him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. May the Lord bless you and keep you and may his light shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen.